I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supple with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I've never hated a cat more than in this movie, Colin. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> and I'm Colin Drucker, and I have absolutely nothing clever or <laughs> funny to say about the Diary of Anne Frank, but yeah, I, fair. Uh, I mean... <laughs> But I, uh, yeah, mushy. Uh, I did. Mushy. I did not realize uh, how problematic that cat was, and how stressed out that cat made me. That oh. might be a better way to say. It. I didn't hate it. I was just stressed out because the cat doesn't know any better. You can't blame the cat. I know. I was so stressed out, and I was like, "This is not the movie to Google like what happens to the cat." I mean, I, but I just what I needed to make sure is that I didn't see anything happen to the cat. You know? Yeah, I think that they handled it just fine too yeah. but uh those ugh, that cat eating the thing on the, on the edge of the sink oh i i know well you know it's funny because last marco and i are fighting right now um because last night <laughs> I, you know it's like 1 30 in the morning it's like earlier and earlier after i go to bed that he's yeah. waking me up for food and i flip my shit i have this way mm-hmm. of yelling at marco that i won't do here because it's you know it's, i don't want to release the magic but it's like this <laughs> low like stop it it's one of those it's something like sure. my mother may have done when i was like acting up in church as a kid oh yeah and um oh my god and it just yes it's uh it was very much the same thing of like will you just stop doing that uh, because yeah, yeah, but um, obviously in a very different context. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, we were talking. Yeah, I, it just makes me. It's like it put puts things in perspective as far as like all the people that are protesting about haircuts and any everything else that they want. But uh, you know, the Frank family they spent two years in one room, people, yeah. and yeah, where you didn't end well for them after all, too. So uh, I think we can handle all the quarantine that we have right now too it's just that's a good point it did it put things yeah. in an interesting perspective of like yeah i like it it's when you see well, i saw what was it on the news or something people in florida were protesting about gyms being closed and so they were doing push-ups outside of the courthouse and it was yeah. like wow like i think i think what it said to me is that it takes for some people it takes such an incredible level of darkness to wake up mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah and like people today it's like that you think this is a hardship you think this is like you think that you're you're a prisoner right now like you don't know shit yeah if and if all else this movie just gives you a healthy dose of perspective uh in every sense of the word yeah Um, and i it sent me this was a hard weekend for me or like a hard couple of days in quarantine for me i had a really bad day yesterday Mm. and uh 
and this is like, and I feel like this movie was the beginning of it all. I watched this, then I watched The Imitation of Life, and I was Ooh. like, oh. Yeah. Um, neither end just, well. Yeah. Yeah, neither end well. Both beautiful films. Um, some interesting performances to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, how are you, Colin? How was your week after after watching this movie and and everything else too? What what's new? Oh, I mean, yeah, I hear you, right? It's it's it yeah. was a you know when I because this was this was my choice. We kind of alternate week over week on, <laughs> on what movies we're going to choose, and I was really excited about this because it was Shelley Winters, and it was also Shelley, uh, yeah, Shelley, <laughs> and it was also Thelma Ritter <laughs> and one of her six nominations. Yeah. And I was also really fascinated by Room at the Top and the fact that Hermione Badley is the shortest ever performance to be nominated. And yeah. and not just in Best Supporting Actress ever. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. And so I I didn't realize until after I'd said, Yeah, let's let's do let's do nineteen fifty nine, um, that the Diary of Anne Frank was three hours long. And I thought, Ooh, yeah. I know I have nothing but time to watch all these movies, but there is something to be said for quarantine content and things that maybe move you towards feelings you need a break from and ones that move you away from those feelings. And I would say <laughs> yeah. uh, Diary of Anne Frank, you know, it, it's uh, I want to be very clear. And we talked about this a little before we got on the, on the mic, mm-hmm. but I want to be very clear. Sure. We are not saying, oh, boy, you know, uh Social distancing yeah. is just like the Holocaust. Yeah, this no. is so me. You know, I'm not. No, I just want to make sure it's abundantly clear. I think there's a there's yes. a bit of like careful word choice when talking about a movie about the Holocaust. So just to be like abundantly clear, this is not that. This is not like here I am sitting here feeling the same way. It's more of like I know how this story ends, and there are a lot of really hopeful moments. And it's you know three hours long, so there's a lot of really hopeful moments and a lot of really despairing moments and you're like fuck but at the end of the day like it's more about you know what's gonna happen it's about how dark (sighs) is it gonna be when it all culminates and um Mm -hmm. so it was a lot you know i uh the first round watching this movie i uh you know it was it was hard for me to like i I kept remembering the three hours and being like no just just sink into this just sink into the story Mm -hmm. um yeah you know, the things I kind of knew about it before going in, I knew that there were uh, a lot of mixed reviews about Millie Perkins playing Anne Frank. You yes. know, and, and certainly there's, I had some questions around some of the accent choices, things like that. Um, sure. But, uh, so I was trying to just like forget that and just like, you know, sink into it. And I have to say like, kind of, I rewatched a lot of it um, before we recorded. And it okay. had like a different impact. Like wh- I think once I had gone through the movie, I knew everything that was going to happen in the movie. And mm-hmm. then I could kind of just go back to certain scenes that I knew we wanted to refocus on. I discovered a lot about it that I really loved and was really, oh. um, you know, I, I think there's obviously the story, the, the, the things we kind of just pull from the original source material of the diary of Anne Frank and from the yeah. play, like a lot of what gets highlighted about uh, human nature and, um, you know, just about, uh, I don't know, about life, uh, I think stood out to me. I, I really resonated with Anne's relationship with her mother. And mm-hmm. the second time around, like, Margaret really jumped out at me as, like, just such a tragic figure and just such a, oh, yeah. such a sad, quiet, interesting character. And, and of course, and of course, the magnanimous Shelley Winters. <laughs> Shelley. Shelley. Uh, gosh, I... 
I tell you what, I was from, I almost said from day one, but literally day one when they went into hiding, I guess. But um, I was so enamored and interested in Otto Frank, the father. Yes. Um, I think that he should have won an Oscar for this or at the very least have been nominated. I, I He has won an Oscar, though. This is, this is Joseph, oh gosh, this name, Joseph Schildkraut. I think that's correct. Yeah, he's an Austrian actor. Yeah. Yeah, and I there is something about him. He reminded me a lot of Keon's dad. Mm, wow. <laughs> and I told Keon this, and he didn't agree with him, and then I got mad at Keon. I was like, how could you not see it? I'm going to show you a picture. <laughs> okay. Because um, it's, it's definitely him. Uh, just like they look a lot alike. But there is something about his warmth. I really love the relationship he has with Anne, yeah. even though at the cost of that is the relationship with Anne and her mother. Right. <laughs> because she much prefers her father. But I just think he is such a calming um force in the entire room and and the situation too and he's it he has a plan and i feel i felt comforted comforted when he was on screen i felt safe i just feel and that's kind that's really really hard to accomplish like as an actor too and i i just i really loved him he is like my best supporting actor of the year yeah uh i know it's not on this podcast but uh i i really really liked him I agree. I, I felt the same way. I think he was really powerful. What I loved about him and about, uh, I think it was Gertie Huber, uh, who played Mrs. Yes. Frank, is that they played these roles on Broadway. And so they had originated these roles mm. and like lived in these roles, you know? And so yes, it, re- that shows. it really that shows. comes across. I, I The two of them, I, I, I feel equally that Mrs. Frank... Uh, should have been nominated. Yes. Ooh, the bread scene. The, the bread, bread scene was scene. great. It, yeah. It's, I mean, there's just, there's so many moments. It's a, you know, what I loved about, one of the things I read about in terms of like people's re- reviews of this movie and I think is really reflected in a lot of these powerful performances is that the, the, the Diary of Anne Frank is kind of, as someone described it, a choral piece. You know, like there are very few moments of individual kind of like moments. You know, there's, mm-hmm. I, I like I, I think if we were to eventually get to, you know, when did Shelley Winters win the Oscar, it's hard to kind of mm-hmm. find that moment because it's so mm-hmm. ensemble. But um, I think that uh, each of them, like, kind of gets a little solo. And I felt like through most of the movie, Mrs. Frank was, she was always an integral part of the story, but the bread scene, it's like, at that point, we're two and a half hours into the movie, and we're yeah. like probably what a year and a half into them. Oh no, actually yeah. two years into them being um, together, and both the, the the weight of that time as a movie and the weight of that time in life really shows in her. Just like she just loses her shit, and it's so yes. good. Oh, it's yeah. so like real. You know, it's hard, it's so hard to talk about this movie as a movie because it's like at the same time these are real people. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, we'll get into this later, uh, or we can get into it now too. But I, I have some feelings about Shelley Winters winning this Oscar, Colin. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set that on the table very lightly, mm-hmm. um, especially after seeing the other. Uh, or I, I watched The Imitation of Life, and I, um, I have some. I mean, I think that the. The winner is in that movie, but I was looking for the moments. There are some moments with Shelley, mm-hmm. but I was looking for a bread moment. Yes. I, I wanted the bread moment. Mm-hmm. And you get a little bit of it. You get the coat moment, but it's like, it's just like, ooh, give me more of that. I want a little bit more of that scene. And I, it's just, I don't know why, but the writing didn't give her exactly what we wanted. So, because I, I couldn't remember who she played in this movie. I think I saw it. 
um, the last time I saw the movie was in, it had to be in high school, mm. really. And like, it's not something you actively want to go back and yeah. watch. Right. Um, so a lot of this was, it felt new to me at the same time too. But um, yeah, that I just wanted to, I wanted to throw that out there. It's sort of my little mini elephant in the room of like, should it have been Shelley? But also, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind you of know? why I actually think this year is, is fascinating for nominees yeah. because- I think Shelley Winters as an actress, as a best supporting actress, like I'm I obviously, you know, uh, a huge, we love, we her. love her, you know, best, you know, yeah. the, the Poseidon adventure. Would, uh, I would rather see her win for that. Totally. This, you know Right. I mean? I and know. I've seen her other winning performance in a patch of blue, which is, mm-hmm. she's, Oh, you want to talk about a scene? She's got, I mean, she's Ooh. huge the whole movie, but there's this scene where you're like, Oh God, fuck Shelly Winters. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a heavy movie, but it's worth watching, especially for that. Uh, yes. But uh, yes. I hear you because the range of nominations this year is is you know Shelley I think for me what I think you know got the win for her is that it was a change in how in the kinds of roles that she did. Um this was really mm-hmm. a turning point in Shelley Winter's career moving into this more matronly role, moving more into this kind of like it, it, moving away from the blonde bombshell. Like she was kind of transitioning out of that and this movie was a real turning point in her career. And so I feel mm. like there's an element of like, oh, we are not used to seeing you like this, you know? And Sure. Uh, but, I mean, there's so much about screen time and impact and and opportunity, like reasons to win it this year. I mean, in comparison, let's just jump to it. It almost seems obvious that Juanita Moore should have won. Yeah, I mean, we need a more Juanita. Yeah, you know? I mean, <laughs> right, like it's... It's, it's so good. A deadlock for me. Yeah. yeah it's non-negotiable. Totally. <laughs> and she has she has those quote unquote Oscar moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and so like I get that. And it's a it's a much bigger role. There's um it's more featured. You you kind of get the BSA vibe from Juanita Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas then there's Hermione Badley in Room at the Top, the shortest ever nominated performance. Yeah, I mean tell us bears about this. repeating. It's she plays uh, the main uh, character is played by uh, French actress Simone Signoret. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Who won Best Actress that year? Uh, she plays basically her friend, and because the story is that uh, Simone Signoret's character is having an affair with this man, or she meets this man, and Hermione Badley's character Elspeth basically uh, lends them her apartment so that they can um, cavort together, and so she's. Just she's just the friend. She shows up fifty minutes into the movie and has about a minute of screen time. Yeah. being you know kind of right away you kind of like her and, and you kind of can tell that she's a character and she's like a music teacher and she's pretty much talking the whole scene and um and it, at first watch it feels a little busy and you're like okay all right I bet she has a moment later. Um, but what I like about that first scene is that there are these like micro moments where because she's she's talking to the guy and she's and she's you know he's lighting a cigarette for her and she's like you know do you love yeah. her and she's kind of having that confidant conversation of like you know being the friend who's like I don't want you to hurt my friend because she loves you and okay. there's these tiny little like micro moment emotions that she plays where it's like ooh this is more than just the friend but it's tiny it's minuscule so then spoiler alert 
Simone's character, Alice, ends up killing herself via a drunken car accident. And um, Elspeth confronts Joe, who's uh, the, the man that she was having an affair with. And uh, there's this, this is really like the scene. He kind of goes back to the apartment where, uh, where they used to meet up and Elspeth confronts him and she's, she's, uh, you know, her hair is all kind of like, she, she's, a, she's um, totally bedraggled would be the word. Is that the word? Bedraggled? Bedraggled? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I like it. If it's not, yeah. that is now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's bedraggled. That's the word we're using for her. Cause it looks like she dragged herself out of bed and is, um, yes. and, and she just like snaps and she's like, why did you do it? Are you happy now? And she, and she and again, this scene is a minute. Mm. This is a minute of her snapping at him. And it's, um, you're like, oh, wow, that was, that escalated quickly. And then he leaves. And then the, the last okay. time we see her is he's marrying another woman at the end. And Elspeth is in the back of the church. And we see her kind of having this, this brief face journey of sadness as they say their vows. And it almost seems strange that she shows up at the end. Like, why, why is she getting the emotional weight of this scene? Because we see so yeah. little of her in the rest of the movie. But, you know, and so, like, after I'd watched it, I was like, hmm, that was it. That was, she had such a small part of this whole story. Yeah. And yet, I am fascinated. I am fascinated. Okay. I rewatched her scenes, like, three times because I was just like, there is a lot going on here. And it's a, it mm-hmm. is a great example of. I don't know, like the impact of a small role and like what an Im- the impact yeah, it can have. Yeah, the studied performance. Yeah, it's yeah. really, it's fascinating. It's totally worth watching um, through the BSA lens because I guarantee if, yeah. if you didn't know she was nominated, you wouldn't think she was, you know? Yes, yeah, but but at a closer look, mm-hmm. you see, under the microscope. And the other thing is the movie, I mean, obviously it was, it was probably a bit of a Rising Tide nomination as well because it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Actress. Ah, uh, yes. But even then, it's, it, there are larger supporting actress roles to nominate in this movie than Elspeth. So, yeah, yeah, it's so weird. It's very weird. Um, huh. And then, of course, there's Pillow Talk, which yeah, I I watched a couple scenes from yeah, Pillow that's... Talk, from Pillow Talk. I know you watched the entire movie. Um, Doris Day, Rock mm-hmm. Hudson, the famous pair. Yeah. Uh, yes. I hated it. Oh my god, I hated it. I like I love Doris Day <laughs> and I wanted to love this movie and I thought, "Oh, let me get this in my gay canon." It has not aged at all. I mean, there's some moments of just like this is uncomfortable. Um oh, it's no. yeah, it's really I don't know. I know some people love it. It was nominated I think for best picture. It won best original screenplay. Really? And I'm just like it's like that scene in the office when Aaron just doesn't get what everyone loves about Holly. And she's like, I don't get it. I'm sorry. I just don't get it. And that's how you're like, soak what up? What up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of how I felt. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. And Thelma Ritter, she plays Doris Day's maid, her alcoholic maid. Yes. And so she's just drunk the whole movie or hung over the whole movie. And she obviously has, she has some great line readings. She's very charming. She's very Thelma Ritter. But I mean, I, I would have preferred to see uh, Mrs. Frank have that nomination over Thelma Ritter. Yeah, that would have been really yeah. lovely. That would have been great. Yeah, that would have yeah. been cool. Um, so yeah, so it's an interesting mix. I I'm and I'm keen to talk about Imitation of Life. We haven't really dove into that, but mm-hmm. I felt like let's let's just get these other two small performances out of the way because they're yes, it, it's a strange choice. Um, but let's talk about Imitation of Life. I would love to hear your thoughts. Yes. 
I feel like okay. First of all, I just have to say from the back that from the from the back from the uh, I don't know where I was <laughs> <laughs> what I was saying there. Say at the get go or the front. I don't know what I'm sure. trying to say. Um, that Susan Conner I thought was Natalie Wood before I even watched oh. this movie. I was like, whoa. I had no idea because I was watching. I just watched some or looked at some of the stills uh, before I watched the movie, and I thought it was her. So it's not. It's Susan Conner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel that this movie is like two different films. Uh, there's like the whole storyline of Doris Day. Oh, not Doris Day. I'm sorry, Lana Turner and her trajectory of like rising to fame. I feel like so many movies of that time were just about like a lady trying to be a movie mm-hmm. star. Mm-hmm. Um, not all movies, but uh, it just seems to be a trend, which is fine. I love that sort of trope. And um, she meets lovely Steve. I love Steve. Oh, uh, yes. Um, he's, he's a nice guy and he's handsome. Um, but anyway, it's like, and then there's the uh, the tale or the, the other side, B story of Annie, who play who plays, played by Juanita Moore, who is um, Lana Turner's maid. They like find each other on a beach, and it's just like everything happens very quickly. Mm-hmm. She's like, I guess I'll move in. And she has a daughter, um, a mixed daughter. Um, and what was the story with the husband? He just like went away. Like, I, I don't remember what was I, said there. I believe, yeah, I believe he just... Uh... Only that he was a very light-colored black mm-hmm. man, uh, light-skinned black man that left. He's not in the yeah. picture anymore. And so there's... Susan Conner, or I mean, there's young Sarah Jane, um, and that actress is really good too. Actually, I have to give her she some props. Had, yeah, um, I mean the the young. I mean, I wanted to smack her, but it's also like right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the young Susie, I was just like, I can't stand you. Shut up! Like she was too yeah. cutesy. I was like, you have to stop. But yeah, the yes. young Sarah, there was something about her that um, was yeah. There was something kind of like didn't really feel like acting at moments. Yeah, and like I certainly cannot speak to grappling with the idea of you know being a mixed uh person i but like that is she had to navigate that on her own and she was also desperately really embarrassed of her her mother Mm -hmm. um played by Juanita Moore anytime she was in the picture and that's sort of the theme throughout the entire movie is she wants to pass as white and can pass as white uh and continues to pass as white and that is her choice so i think that's the more interesting storyline uh in my opinion it's like i Lana Turner, fine. You're you're making your way through Hollywood and and Broadway and all this other stuff too. But um, show me more of Annie. Um, so it's their relationship, and I I think in the end too, I did like the relationship between Lana Turner and Juanita Moore. But I just wish it's like that. There's that one scene where Lana Turner's like, "Oh, you have friends," yeah. and she's like, "Yeah, I know hundreds of people, bitch." It's like you never ask me, right? <laughs> right. Like, and I feel like that's one of the first times like that was ever said in a film. I'm sure it wasn't, but like, yay for finally shedding a little bit of light into the the you know the behind the scenes of the quote unquote made character, yeah. um, in a 1950s movie too. So, Juanita Moore is just a breath of fresh air. She's like, uh, she's everything you want that character to be. And there's layers, and there's pain, and there's there's motherhood, and there's grief, and um. And the death scene alone oh. is just so great. Yeah. And the funeral scene with Susan Conner, like, running to the casket. I mean, it was great. Yeah. Th- that's my opening statement. How about you? I, I mean, I, I I agree. I absolutely agree. I think the, the Laura Meredith story is is not very interesting. It's I, I think mm-hmm. every time we're having extended scenes with Sandra D and Lana Turner, I'm like, oh, I don't even care. You know, it's because uh-huh. then when it cuts to 
Winita Moore and Susan Conner, it's like, oh, this is so much more rich of a story. And I think, I mean, I think the best scene in the movie is when Annie uh, goes to see uh, Sarah Jane after, after oh, her performance in, the ho- in yes. her room. And they yes. have that final scene together. And it's, it, it hits. It hits hard. Yes. And when, it hits real yeah, hard. when her friend shows up and then Annie pretends to just be her, you know, I, I guess, you know, I don't know if she's, I think her, I think her friend says, oh, you had a mammy, um, which is so, Ugh. it's just like, oh my God, this is so light. I know, I would have slapped her. But yeah. the, I know, but what a great tool for that scene. Yeah. Like to just like. Yeah. But, oh my God, the moment that I think, because Susan Conner, she has some, she has some strong moments and some like, ooh, ooh, that, I yes. would do that yeah. line again. Um, but the moment where they're <laughs> saying goodbye and she says goodbye and then she mouths wor- the words mama or the word mama. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that broke my heart. And yeah. and yeah, when Annie's like, I just want to hold you one more time. Like it's, yes, that scene is devastating. I would say that scene. And then honestly, best supporting actress, Mahalia Jackson singing at Annie's funeral. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Literally, literally. Lord. Yes. Um, that was something. Oh. And I can tell that like a lot of those two, te- like people didn't have to act to cry no. during that movie no. or during that scene. I think um, uh, because it was something. I think I'd read that like Lana Turner had to like leave the set because she was crying too much. Yeah. Yeah. I could tell. Yeah. 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 Um, it's uh, th- I mean, that was kind of what I knew about Imitation of Life. So Imitation of Life is directed by Douglas Sirk, who, you know, is sort of known for these 1950s melodramas. Um, mm-hmm. And th- this was his, this was his bread and butter. And I think this was his last one before he, because he's a German director, and he went back to Germany after this. And so okay. he did these big women's stories, and um, mm-hmm. and and could just reach these heights of melodrama. And so what I always knew about Imitation of Life in kind of like the gay lens was like, oh, Mahalia Jackson singing at you know Annie's funeral at the end. Like it was just one of those gay canon moments. And yes, it, and it's like and and you can see why it is. I mean, so raw and so beautiful. Yes. That I mean, I would rewatch her singing that over and over. That is just. Um, she's probably in this movie as much as Hermione Badley is in is in Room at the Top. So there's no reason. <laughs> well, yeah, where's her nomination? Yeah, there's yeah. really no reason to not nominate Mahalia Jackson. Yes. Oh Lord, I was not prepared for it because I did not know that that was even coming. Mm-hmm. So I was I was a wreck because of the actual like death scene the the in the bed yeah. and then that happened and it was it was just too much yeah it's and that's what those movies that like those Douglas Sirk movies could do is they they could eventually build you up to that like as they say that's why they call these movies weepies you know they could get you to that point sure and, yeah. um it, yeah it's it, imitation of life is a um it's a lot it gets a little boring in the middle let's be honest like yeah and the mother-daughter scene i really liked actually mm-hmm. i i think that that was probably a good moment for both of them um and and for lana turner even at the end while annie was on her deathbed i really felt that lana was giving it to me yes um, yeah she really so i i did like yeah she wrung herself out in that scene that was really good um yeah imitation of life it's like it's worth seeing it's worth having kind of in the catalog but ultimately it's Probably for the the Annie suit Annie Sarah scene and for Mahalia Jackson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I mean, you know, typically we go through the list of nominees, but we've kind of done that already. Yeah, we kind of did. I think in terms of Golden Globes, the only variations really. I mean, Shelley was nominated. Winnie Moore was nominated. Um, but so is Edith Evans for the Nun story, and Estelle Hel- Hemsley for Take a Giant Step, and Susan Coner won for Imitation I know, of Life. I saw that. Interesting. And you know what's really interesting about this is 1959. Um, three of the actresses were women of color. Ugh. Yeah. Why can't it always be like that? Right? I mean, it's. I saw it like, Lord. oh, well, that's, you know. and, and I, That's great. Yeah. And I feel like playing um, complex roles. Like uh, Estelle Hemsley plays, uh, it's sort of a, a coming of age story, and she plays sort of the wise grandmother. Um, Got it. But yeah, the fact that like Susan Coner and Winita Moore, it's not just, you know, um, stock characters or stories that don't talk about their race. So Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just sort of an interesting note. But yeah, in terms of the Oscar nominations, we've really talked through all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I highly recommend Room at the Top just for Hermione Badley's, like, just for the strange concept of this being a Best Supporting Actress role. Yeah, and was that the one that was available on Tubi? Or was yes, that the one that was... That okay, is available. Tubi's a, an, a, yes. on, on a, I know Tubi. I know, you know Tubi, Tubi well. Yeah, uh, it's Tubi with an I. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know. I am i can't stop thinking about it just because it's like, in some ways, it's everything I love is when a supporting yes. character gets emotional weight, you know? Oh, yeah, um, precisely. So, uh, I mean, I, I think that kind of does take us to... Shelly Winters accepting her Oscar yes, for the Best Supporting exactly. Actress. So I'm, I think we're going to just let Shelly Winters accept her Oscar right now. You know, it, it takes a lot of people to put this in your hand. First, someone has to write a dimensional role in a very fine motion picture. And next, somebody has to get you the part. Uh, then you have to have a great director. And then you have to be nominated and voted. So I would like to thank... The memory of that wonderful little girl, Miss Anne Frank, who wrote with such depth and perception about human beings. I'd like to thank my wonderful friend and creative agent, Mr. Herb Brenner, and Mr. George Stevens. And last but not least, I thank you, the Academy. Uh, so this, I mean, this is the, the earliest Oscar uh, award speech that we've featured on this podcast. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's lovely. She she dedicates it and dedica- dedicates it first and foremost to Anne Frank. Um, and she later, you know, then donated her Oscar to the Anne Frank Museum in, uh, I love that. in Amsterdam. So, uh, yeah, which was like a promise that she had made to Otto Frank, who came to the set and like visited uh. the cast. And she said, if I win the Oscar... I'm going to donate it. Um, oh, I love and that. And that's what she did. Shelly Winters. She's a... Uh, they don't make them like they used to come. No. Uh, Shelly Winters is is like <laughs> gold. She's gold. And you can't there replicate is it. something. Yeah. Because yeah. I watched her um, acceptance speech for a patch of blue last night. I just went on a little bit of... Mm-hmm. Uh, just a mini wormhole. Um, and there's something about... Like, she has mom energy, but she's also a bombshell at the same time, yeah. too. Like, I just think she's so beautiful. Yeah. And I love that she's able to accomplish both successfully, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that I think that's what I love about her. She has great her. hair. She has great hair. She has great mom hair. She has yes. this great, like, she's this great mix of, like, warm and lovable and kooky and dramatic and 
Um, she's clearly like a lot like to sit and talk with her. There's probably moments of overwhelm and moments of just falling in love with her at the same time, you know? Yes. Uh, Yeah. I, I, something uh, Shelly Winters. I mean, I've obviously I've always loved her since the Poseidon adventure and seeing that as a kid, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, every, every gay has their diva and people have Barbara or Gaga or whatever, or Judy. And I think for me, it's Shelly. You're <laughs> Shelly. Uh, you are a Shelly gay. That's I am a, a Shelly gay. I am a Shelly yes. gay. Um, I'm. Uh, That's your drag name, yeah, Shelly gay. Yeah, Shelly Winters <laughs> is a queen for all seasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Um, but you know, I I agree with you. I mean, obviously, we've already mm-hmm. kind of covered this, but I agree with you that Juanita Moore is probably the clear win this year. Yeah. <clears throat> which is a shame it yeah it's a shame and and trying to recognize Shelley's win I think what stood out to me or what does resonate in terms of the BSA energy in the Diary of Anne Frank is that every moment that Shelley appears on the screen I kind of I was like I was like drinking it in you know what I mean I was like I was I hung on to every word she said even if there weren't many you know yeah I think that her character like just I don't know trying to rationalize all this too and sort of take it in and and why she won but um her character does exist to give a little bit of comedic relief i'd say Mm -hmm. um in a way i mean there are there are i mean there are few and far between but there are some like moments where you do smile during this but i i think with her she is she above anyone else is kind of meant to provide that that humor and even when you know Anne goes to Hater's mm-hmm. bedroom and she's kind of sitting outside and being like mm-hmm. uh, that sort of like mom energy that mm-hmm. I love and uh, and I do love the coat moment I'm sure we'll talk about the coat moments and just in general too and, and defending her husband and really looking out for him a lot of it's sort of under the radar I wish there was just more dialogue with her in general to just to grab on a, a little bit of something but it's still a lovely performance. I I find find that it's nominated, but like if I was to watch this movie, it's kind of like the question I ask myself, like in in, ti- in times like these, where it's like if I was to say like who would have been nominated, I would have definitely said Otto Frank and mm-hmm. probably Mrs. Frank. Those are the two I would have like taken from yep. the movie. Uh, yeah. And and when I when I knew that she won for this too, I was like, okay, let's let's see what she's got, and. Uh, and I got some stuff. I'm not saying it was a completely empty performance by any means also, too. But um, I think on the Jessica Lang Tootsie scale, you know, 10 being the worst. I, I don't know where this ranks, you know, it's it's but it's for me, it's kind of in that category. And I hate saying that because it's Shelly and I love her a lot, too. Sure. So. But I mean, I, I think That's I would recommend feeling. I'd recommend yeah. a patch of blue just to sort yes. of. To, we'll, we'll cover it one day. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. And it's a great example, I think, of, of the opposite of what you're talking about, specifically of Shelley, of like, oh, yeah, we really do get a lot. But um, I think I'm, I said her name uh, incorrectly earlier, but it's uh, Gusti. Gusti Huber, not Gerti. Gusti. Uh, uh-huh. I, I agree. I think that she and uh, Joseph, uh, boy, I, I'd kill for a Joe Smith. She Shield and Joseph Kraut. Shieldkraut. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's all good. Stood out to me very much. And also, I mean, uh, Ed Wynn, who played uh, Mr. Dussel, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, God. He I irritated know. me so much. Yeah. I would just like, I just picture him eating a bowl of soup and just like spilling it all over the place. No. You know, it's it's all over his chin. Mm-hmm. He's a mouth breather. And then that <laughs> resonated is like, like that. And I don't, I, I'm sure the, the real life, uh, 
Mr. Dussel was, I mean, I don't know what he was like, but I like that the way that this character was portrayed was probably very, that's probably what he was like. And, and I think yes. that's the humanity or the reality of the situation is like these normal everyday people with their normal everyday idiosyncrasies and mm-hmm. like foibles, like we're all packed into this, into this attic together. And yeah. so it, I think the bread scene really reflects the overall frustrations that must have come up around just like, yeah, watching Mr. Dussel spill soup on himself, you know? I think in terms of Shelley Winters and her nomination, I, to me, like, the, I agree. I think there's a, there's a comedic relief in the earlier scenes. One of my favorite lines of hers is when she's noticing the, um, the, the love connection happening between Anne and Pater. And she says, Mr. Frank, this, go, this war goes on much longer. You and me are going to be related. And yes. it's like classic Shelley Winters delivery. It's, uh-huh. it's so good. It, there, there's a, it's like, it's so grounded in a way. And yet it's also slightly over the top, you know? Yes. It's like yes. a, it's like a, it's like a really ornate palm tree. It's grounded <laughs> in the in the earth, but it is just like so melodramatic. Yes, I love that. I love yeah. that comparison. Um, so I think that though there's that moment. I think <clears throat> for Shelley, I think one of the bigger moments is also talking to Anne about you know her love life growing up and all of the boys and how she's still oh, got yeah. great legs. Arguing, yes, mm-hmm. yes, she's she got had, great legs. <clears throat> yeah, that was and, also and, almost my opening line. I got great legs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that she's like you know she kind of flirts with Mr. Frank in a way. Yes. Um, even about the legs and, and even says like, why didn't I meet you before I met him? You know, like she, uh-huh. there's a, there's a loveliness about her that I think um, eases us into this movie a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I would agree. It's like, I, I, I always am. I mean, it's such a dramatic movie, you know, uh, on paper too. So I was looking for, I just wanted a, I wanted the bread scene. I wanted her to kind of snap and mm-hmm. and just have a even a two minute scene and just yeah. like set someone straight or yell at someone or yell at what's his face, uh, Mister 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 Dussel. Yeah. By the way, Edwin has the craziest IMDb picture too. Um, and I think maybe since he was such a character actor, because he definitely looks like a character actor in that mm-hmm. picture, that that also was a shift for him as well too. That he was cast in this role. It seems like oh well, it's like a Robin Williams sort of thing. It's like he's such mm-hmm. a goofball, but he's doing this serious role now. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd agree. It's like I I think um, the arguing, <laughs> the arguing, the arguing with her husband, um, setting up the coat. It was like the way that she reacts when Anne spills the milk on the coat. I got so mad at Anne when she spilled that milk. I was like, oh, you, I know. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> It was like one of those things. And it's like I going back to because um, I know Millie Perkins is Anne Frank, too. It's mm-hmm. uh, she's a 13 year old girl. Is that how old she is? It's like it's just like it's hard to remember that because she doesn't look 13 in the movie. No, that and was one of the criticisms was that Millie yeah. Perkins was too old for the role. Yeah. And but I mean, I will say there's moments towards the end where it's like where she has to cry, you know, that I really, really believed her. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I forgot that Richard, um, Richard, is it Beimer or Beamer? It's crazy because I'm such a West Side Story fanatic too. And he In my Tony. head, I always thought it was Beamer. <laughs> Beamer. It could be. I, I, I don't know. Richard B. We'll call mm-hmm. him Tony from West Side Story. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really look Jewish at all. Well, I think in general that that was one of the things, the casting of the yeah. younger folks, I felt like 
he and Millie Perkins, I was like, this just doesn't feel. I it's feel like casting like, <clears throat> Megan Fox as Anne Frank, you know? What yeah, I mean? it's, it feels like two American kids. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about the coat scene. Let's talk about Millie and yes. Shelley in the coat scene because, yes. um, I the coat scene. I I I'm with you. I would have the part of me that likes to watch actresses act wanted more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what I liked about this is that it was almost like Shelley Winters was swallowing the dynamite in the way that mm-hmm, she chose yeah. to react. That it was. The way that she goes, oh, look what you did. Like, it's it's so internal versus, like, this ex- this explosion that she saves until she gets up the stairs. And then she's just, like, bawling. And I thought that was – thinking about Shelley Winters as, like, a method actor and as someone who's just, like, living inside of the role, mm-hmm. I I appreciated the work that she was doing. That instead of being over the top, she, like, went – she chose a different way to express that dismay – um, obviously with work with the director, but, um, I hear you. And then I'm also like, there's that, there's that thing. It's like when people, instead of crying, they try not to cry and that becomes oh, more powerful, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd even, um, add on to that by saying I, I did really love the scene. It's like, I think when, um, Anne is frustrated with Mr. Dussel or something happens, no, something happens outside in like the common area, we'll call it. And then she, she, can't you know when you want to storm off somewhere and mm-hmm. you just can't go anywhere it's like she goes to her room and he's just there you know like soup all over his face and like <laughs> she's like Ugh! and then she like walks somewhere else but there's really not any and she kind of ends up exactly where she started it, it's like at least Shelley Winter's character had that attic that like the next level up that she could go up and sort of throw herself on the bed but did I what I wanted it's like I do I do get it like I want to see her throw herself on the bed but when you bring it up like that, I'm like, okay, I get that. Yeah. But I still want to see it. Of course. <laughs> and that's why I would say, well, then watch A Patch of Blue. You'll okay, get good. all of it. You oh, are going to get wait. so much Shelley Winters yelling. Ugh, I just want it all. I want You're going to get so much of it. Um, good, it's, good. And, and just like, oh, my God. Um, it's nuts. So, uh, <laughs> true. I mean, obviously, she's she's in, you know, sort of like the chorus of, of the movie. But I, I think that the bread scene is an interesting place to land both for uh, Gusta Huber and really for like the way that Shelley plays that scene. Because I, I had expected, obviously like Mrs. Frank, she catches Mr. Fondon stealing bread in the middle of the night. And it, it is, I mean, acting wise, loses it. yeah. it's the Oscar moment. It's, yes. it, and it's also surprisingly restrained for how much she still snaps. Yes. And, I kind of expected Mrs. Van Dan to kind of explode there in defending mm-hmm. her husband and, and fighting for their chance to stay in the and stay with them because obviously Mrs. Frank is telling them to leave. And the fact that here that Shelley Winters chooses to stay kind of calm about the situation, even when Mrs. Frank like pulls her by the shoulder and like yeah. rips her shawl off, like she doesn't she doesn't snap back. If yeah. anything, as they're like leaving, she's like, Remember, you know, your husband said like he would never forget. I think there there must have been some history between Mr. Van Don and Mr. Frank, and he'd never forget what he did for him. And then you know, Mrs. Frank is like, "My husband has more than paid off the debts." And I, I just I was very impressed by Shelley kind of keeping by not matching. Not, you know what I mean? Like not matching and not getting hammy with her. Yeah, and also it's like I'm sure in a way she feels sort of responsible. Like in, in a way he's been stealing this bread for maybe this was not the first time. And we also know that Mrs. Van Dan 
has been giving, you know, Mr. Van Dan a little bit more. It's like that cake scene is so crucial. It's like mm-hmm. such a great um <laughs> at this point it's like an act three gun. It's not an act one gun anymore. There's right. seven acts in this movie. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so she knows she knows. She's like, mm-hmm. Okay, well you finally caught him and now I have to like deal That's with this point. in a way. You know, it's like, okay, I get it. Let me just yell at me. Let me have this and um and that's that. It's like she's caught. They're both caught in a way. Yeah, I think that's actually that's a great way to think about it is that she she knew about this in some way, you know, and yeah. she uh and so she does kind of she doesn't fight back because she knows they're caught. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the rest of it is uh just little fun mom scenes and that sounds so trivial but like mm-hmm. I do like them I think those are actually kind of my favorite moments too of hers of of just kind of I don't know playing matchmaker and also just I actually really like the leg scene a lot I mean I think that's like the longest stretch of time where she actually just talks um, yeah. from yeah, what I probably, recall yeah I think that that's kind of her featured scene um, where it's mostly about Mrs. Van Don and not yeah about her as part of the ensemble. Uh, I think in terms of other, I mean, we sort of talked a little bit about Margaret, but I want to just highlight Diane Baker, who I've seen in a few other things. I, I like her. Um, and that, I mean, again, I feel so weird saying that character, but the portrayal of that person in this movie sure. was really heartbreaking. You know, I think there's that scene where Anne is going to go to Pater's room and she's all dressed up. Oh, yeah. And she has that that conversation with Margaret of like, I feel bad. I feel like you're the one left out. And Margaret is like, you know, I I just, I feel like I should have someone that I can share my feelings with as well. And it's... It's really tragic. It's so tragic because obviously she's never going to have that. And we really see throughout the movie the way that Margaret being the older sister and the older daughter and more of an adult has to, you know, scenes of her comforting her mother when Anne is rejecting her mother, mm-hmm. or there's a really great scene of, of um, it's Margaret and, and Edith at night uh, talking and they're just ha- kind of having a, you know, like a quiet aside about things going on. And, and it was so interesting to see like, yes, these things happen where the mother and the oldest child start talking like adults. Yes. You know? Yeah. And yes. it's a, it was a it was a complex character and relationship that I hadn't fully appreciated, um, and I would say if I were to go back and watch this movie, I would be keeping a very close eye on Margaret because it's a um, the movie's never really about her, but she's a very sad energy throughout it. Yeah, because it seems like it would be the opposite way. You know, it's almost like um, I I mean, it always comes back to Little Women for me, but like mm-hmm. <clears throat> Anne is the Joe and Margaret is like Beth who gets left behind too. She might mm-hmm. even be more like, it's like a Beth slash Meg mix, I feel. Um, and you would think that Margaret would get um, Richard Richard B. Um, yeah. but or, or Pater, we'll call him, uh, his character's name. Um, but it, and it seems like it would go there. It is going there for a moment because it's like they're they're a little bit more of a match age wise too. But at the, at the end of the day, like Anne is far more charismatic and a little bit more aggressive, so to speak, too. And Margaret cares too much about her sister's happiness above her own to kind of interfere. But she's because that conversation, she's like, I'm happy for you, but I also hate it. It's it's. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But and she has the emotional intelligence to say that out loud, too, which is so important. But that makes it all the more devastating, too, is like, I love you because you're my sister and I want you to be happy. And 
I guess I'll just sit out here. And she just like sits at the table with her parents. Yeah, there's that one Ugh. shot after Anne goes to Pater's room where it cuts back to, and it's, you know, it, it's not even a focus on her, but you see her in the ensemble just sitting at the table with just this like sad look on her face. And it's really, yeah. it. Uh, th- th- yeah, there's, there's so much about this movie that at first I was like, oh, this is a lot to take on. And then like once I let it sink in, and I kind of went back and looked again. I was like, oh, there's a lot that I love about this. Yeah. Um, you know, I had read a, a, a review where someone was complaining or was frustrated with the sort of Hollywood, quote unquote, Hollywood moment of Anne and Peter kissing just as the um, the Nazis arrive. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's so, of course, that's when it would happen. But I was like, no, it's not a Hollywood thing. They both knew that this that it was all over. Yeah. And it was such a humane moment of like, this is like it was like grasping onto life just before it ended it was beautiful yes like and the way that it syncs up with the yeah with the screech of the tires and then they turn and they kiss oh it was like imitation of life it was like okay the build-up to this got me that was that was really powerful um and then yeah i mean the end i think where they they just calmly wait for the the Gestapo to break in. It is too much. I was yeah. a wreck. It, and the fact that like an, an, an auto just starts grabbing everyone's bags. It's like yeah. he knows. Mm-hmm. They all know. And there is there is no panic. I no. mean, I'm sure there's panic, obviously. But um, they just stare at the door and everyone slowly grabs their bags. And just waits. And, and, I, and I watched that scene again to watch that the tableau of like Mrs. Frank taking Mr. Frank's hand and uh. Margaret just holding her bag and I know. I'm. It's like, oh, this is so. Like, it. It was a lot. It was a. It was a lot, especially after such a long movie, and you spend so much time with these people, and they're real people, and yeah. you know this is like going to end even more tragically because almost all of them die in the camps. That it's like, ugh, this is just so hard, and mm-hmm. it's. I mean. I appreciate that we did not see a more yeah. explicit version, you know? Same. Yeah. There's something to just leaving that up to the imagination because it's, it's history. It's like, we know um, almost everyone mm-hmm. knows the story and that Otto Frank is the only one that survives too. And I'd like that they start the movie that way as mm-hmm. sad as that scene is too. It's like, ugh. I don't know why they didn't give him an Oscar, but, um, I know and- that at the end when he talks about like finding out about everyone else dying and <sighs> then finding out about Anne, and he, hopes- and he says, yeah, and he says, and then I knew, and it was like, oh God, I just like the the. I think the fact that he played this role on Broadway, mm-hmm. I you could just see this man knew this man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he just embodied all of that grief. It was really, really incredible. Yeah, he's he was my favorite. I feel, mm-hmm. um, and and not only that too. It's like you know that nothing happens until the end of this movie, but like the the suspenseful scenes in the middle of it, and that's I mentioned the cat. But mm-hmm. that fucking cat um, is just, I would have got rid of that cat. I know it's it would have been so hard. I, I, I would have, but I, I, I couldn't see any world where that would have been. I mean, but but the cat also saves the day in a, in a yes. moment too because the, the plate falls and the, the two soldiers look up at or like near the bookcase and then they hear the cat meow. So thank God that cat meow because they thought it was like on the roof or something like that or just like mm-hmm. loose in the attic. Right, um, right. I know. I You know, I, it was one of those things that like I don't like thinking about is like, oh, what happens to the animals in, in yeah. times like these, you know? And um, th- yes, the whole sort of first half of the movie, I was just like, oh, I, I know that 
no matter what happens, this cat will need to will be abandoned at some point. Yeah. Uh, and so I just like to believe that he escaped and he found himself a nice Dutch family who said, "Oh, we'll take you in, little cat." Yeah. And I hope so. Had a too. nice life and remembered Peter fondly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other scene that got my that my heart was pounding was the scene where the front door was open and uh, Mr. Frank ran down all the way to the bottom of the steps. Oh, yeah. Ah. yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It was like, oh, it, it it's it, it's kind of like the movie Gravity where you're like, no, 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 no. Oh, my God. You need to go back in. Like, yes. It just, yeah. It, it just uh, the weight of that catches up. Yeah. 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 And the fact that he was able to get back upstairs and like and the fact that like Peter and, <clears throat> and Anne are like on the steps. I'm like, go back upstairs because if he would have ran into yeah. them, it would have all been over. It's like it was you know choreographed in a way where that didn't happen of course but um i i think i would lose my mind with how careful i would be i think i would just be i mm-hmm. i'm sure after a certain while the fear might go away for a little bit but it, it's it's very real during the entire movie um for me it was i i this movie really <laughs> it stressed me out but of course it does yeah. because it's the holocaust and i uh i i reacted in the way that anyone else would react to but it it just really takes you puts you through the ringer and that last scene i i really had to like and i finished it right before i started teaching for the day like two minutes before i started teaching my first student and it was it was not a wise choice for me i got through oh, it of God. course but uh i i yeah. needed time to kind of sit with it but also i was thankful for the distraction in a way so it all mm-hmm. it all balances out yeah yeah i mean it's you know holocaust movies holocaust stories are I mean, you know, I can never watch Schindler's List again. I, I just cannot put that movie is so hard to watch. I mean, it, it, fifty times harder than this movie is to watch yeah. just because it's so violent and so gritty. Um, but there, you know, it, there, it's it's the kind of thing that no matter how many stories I hear about the Holocaust or movies I see about it, like the impact is never lessened. If anything, it's like yeah. there's that moment of like, oh my god, this happened within the last hundred years. Yeah like yeah there this is it it's it really that was one of the things that really stuck with me was like good god this is like you know it, you can get to the point people make mm-hmm. you can make people make jokes and you can make Anne frank jokes and like people do that because it they, people make 9-11 jokes you know yeah and it's in some ways you know i think about enemies a love story and 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 that way that you move on from things with humor yeah. and with a dark humor yeah and and it also keeps you sane and it keeps you alive and it puts it, it there's a place to put all this if you can have a really dark laugh at it but yeah. then you know you see something like this and it's like okay well this like it it's very sobering of like Fuck, yeah this is dark yeah, you know word for it too i um i talked about it on this girlfriend's cocktail hour but i schindler's net, uh, list was on netflix i don't know if it's still on netflix i i feel like it actually might be gone um and i had never seen it um, so I decided mm. one rainy day, I was like, today's the day I'm going to do it. And I could not get through it. I stopped it. I think I spanned it over a couple days, which I know is even mm-hmm. worse in a way. It's like, it's like ripping the bandaid off slowly as opposed to just like yeah. pulling it off. Um, and I, I just couldn't do it. My heart hurt too much to get through mm-hmm. it. I, I, I got to the point where, um, they were taking all the kids away. And they were oh. waving to their parents, and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I mm-hmm. couldn't, and I know I should, um, but there's no, there's no. Uh, it's like socially and morally, I feel obligated to like at least. I, I, I know, 
I, I get it. I, I got what I mm-hmm. needed to get, but I still want to finish it one day. I don't know when that day will be, but um, it's it was a lot for me. I, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, <sighs> I hear that. Yeah. I think I saw it in like freshman year of mm-hmm. college. Yeah. I think I had to watch it for a class. And so that was um, going on like, oh my God, what's the math? When did I go to college? I went to college. That was like 2003. Jesus Christ. That wow. was... And it was many years ago. Um, and I still, like, I remember getting it at the school library on the two VHS yes. box set. Mm-hmm. And um, I, remember, I think I watched it in my friend's dorm room. And it was just, yeah, I, I, it was horrifying. It was just horrifying. Yeah. And, and the, especially like, yeah, the, the scenes of, at the, in the, in the ghettos and, mm-hmm. and uh, that arresting was, people. And yeah, it, that was my first pause where I had to just take mm-hmm. a walk. I know. I, I will always have images in my head mm-hmm. of them, you know, flipping over beds. The and bed. Like the bed. Filling them with bullets. Yeah. I mean, just, it's so, it's really, really hard to watch. And the ending is really powerful. Um, like the very ending. There's, yeah. it, I mean, it's like if you're not crying by then, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going to make you cry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a, it, the Diary of Anne Frank, I think, is a, a little bit easier way of exploring some Holocaust stories. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I'd say. Which is an odd sentence yeah. to say, but you know, you know what we mean. We know what we mean. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, there's so many of them, right? And I think again, like thinking of enemies, a love story. I feel yeah. like that's obviously it's a post-Holocaust story, but mm-hmm. there's so much talk of being in the camps, and there's yeah. um, a couple of flashbacks to things, and it's. Uh, I, I think, I think there is a very fine line between staying like not forgetting and you know. Uh, honoring the memory of something yeah. and like educating yourself about it and also not like traumatizing yourself with it. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I guess I could have picked a slightly easier no, it's an important batch film. of movies, it's an important film. but it's, yeah, it's an important um, year I'm, for women. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great, great year for women. Yeah. So, uh, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we watched these movies and, uh, gave them some time. Yes. Uh, and so I think let's, let's, cleanse our palates let's uh remember and rejoice and move on uh to our bsas of the week yeah i have i'm gonna interject <laughs> here and uh i have like a little a new segment that i want to bring up here oh i feel like oh, we need to have like dee, 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 dee. i want to call it yes bsa today <laughs> oh my um goodness. and these are Please. just um a little um, I, I created the Google alerts for our BSAs in waiting, and there's some there's some things coming up that I want to mention here. I think that there's some castings. Most of it's mm-hmm. casting, but I just um, uh, so I want to start first. Gene uh, Smart. Gene Smart was cast in a new HBO dark comedy, um, and it's created by Michael Schur, which I'm oh. really excited for. And the co-creators yeah. are uh, Paul W. Downs, who was in Broad City. He plays like the trainer that works with Abby. He's very handsome. Oh my god! Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, also two other Broad City gals, Lucia Anello and Jen Statsky. They're going to be producing and writing as well too. But that's a really great team. Love Gene mm-hmm. Smart. I don't know what it's about. I just know it's an HBO dark comedy, which I'm all for. And we love Gene Smart. I love Gene Smart. Yeah. I love Gene Smart in Garden State. I also love Ann Dowd in Garden <laughs> State. I just bears repeating. Ann Dowd is in Garden State. I know. I did not know I'm that. I'm still so excited that I brought that into your life. Yeah. Um, I saw this. There was another. Um, just This is just a one-liner story. It's, it says that Reese Witherspoon wants J-Lo for season three of Big Little Lies. And then it got me oh. thinking, is there going to be a season three of Big Little Lies? I don't know. I it's not, not needed. 
I have to be honest, I didn't get through season two. That's okay. I got about halfway through. I know that Meryl has like a big moment in probably the episode right Mm -hmm. before I quit. Yeah. But I just couldn't justify watching season two anymore. I was like, this is unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, at least you saw the cross on the chin. I think that's all you need. That's that's the Mm -hmm. moment. And the scream. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you saw the scream. Or maybe you did. I feel like I. That's what I didn't see. Uh, I. That's. I know that there's the scream. I'm like, okay. Well, let me just get to the scream and then I'm done. Yeah. I mean, you could YouTube that too. I mean, that's that's yeah. really all you need. And as long as you know that as a reference point, then then you're good to go. Yeah. I mean, I love. And I think I've I've now seen it more as a meme, but it's the one of of Meryl saying. I think it's like someone asking her, "How are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, I can't complain." <laughs> well, actually, I can. <laughs> and I just. <laughs> I that I I yeah, do I mean I'll give pretty it back. Great in it. It's really yeah. Good. <laughs> um. So next, uh, speaking of HBO, Catherine Hahn is back on HBO in a new show called "I Know This Much Is True." We love Catherine Hahn. Um. Mm. And this the show starts uh, starts Mark Ruffalo. He's playing a set of twins. Mark Ruffalo is. Oh right. Yeah. I've seen the trailer for it. Yeah. That. Melissa Leo was in it. Juliette Lewis. Oh. Rosie O'Donnell. Oh. Um, the series is based wow. off a book by Wally Lamb, um, and Mark Ruffalo plays two identical twins living in Connecticut. One of them suffers from paranoid schizophrenia, and then also it centers around like larger conversations about grief and mental health. So mm. sign us up. I, I've heard of this. I think I read another of Wally Lamb's books that I thought was I Know This Much Is True, but I think it's another one then. Maybe it's the same one. Yeah. But I, if it is, it's... Uh, Either way, I'm excited. Yeah, I think that'll be really great and a great cast. Yeah. And I love Mark Ruffalo. I think he's a dreamboat, and I just think he's really talented as well. Mm. Uh, Glenn Close will be a guest oh. on Seth Meyers tonight uh, when this episode is released, May 13th. She'll be talking about uh, Bring Change to Mind, which is a, a nonprofit organization. She founded this by, uh, it's like co-founded by actress and activist Glenn Close. It's basically dedicated mm. to engaging dialogue about mental health uh, for Mental Health Awareness Month, which I suppose is May. So it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple more things. There's a new movie starring Annette Bening called Hope Gap, that is now on demand. And I don't mm. know. I feel like this kind of it's a terrible Sounds name. Like her Oscar trajectory. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Gap of Hope, maybe. Uh, yeah. It stars Bill Nye. Um, Basically, it's uh, it seems like a movie that we'd be really interested in, and this is why I mentioned it too. Is it's basically Bill Nye and her are married for twenty nine years, and then he decides to up and leave her, and it's her kind of dealing with the aftermath of it. I will say that I watched the trailer for it, and her accent is not perfect, but it's serviceable, and it kind of took me out of the moment, and I'm afraid to watch it because of that. Because everyone else in the movie, oh, sh- it's a, it's like a a British movie and she's like okay the American actress that's um a part of it but and I it might have come came out I, I'm assuming it came out a while ago and now it's on demand I don't think it's streaming anywhere it's just on demand which I don't have cable so that's <clears throat> but I guess that mm. means you could just buy it if that makes sense yeah yeah so on demand is I a think that's what it is for that yeah you can buy it probably on Amazon you could rent yeah it. Um, um okay yeah so Annette lover uh, Anna de Armas from Knives Out, mm. basically the breakout star from Knives Out too. Did you know she's going to be playing Marilyn Monroe? Yes. Yes. I, and I like can't picture it, but I'm also like, well, she's kind of great. So yeah, there are some pictures online because basically the article is like Anna de Armas is uh, 
unrecognizable as Marilyn Monroe. And the movie is called Blonde, and it will be on mm-hmm. Netflix, which is awesome. I don't know when the release date is. It didn't say in the article, but um, she definitely pulls it off. So I'm I'm excited, yeah. and I love her a lot. I loved her in Knives Out. Um, yeah, and Blonde is based on a book by your favorite <gasps> masterclass teacher, Joyce Carol Oates. Oh, my gosh. It's all coming. I need yeah. to put Joyce Carol Oates on the list um, <laughs> just to see what she's up to. <laughs> Um, oh, she's great. And last but not least, this is the last piece of news on BSA Today. It's uh, <clears throat> Ina Garden's website crashes after she <laughs> she, <laughs> she posted a roasted potato recipe from her new book called Modern Comfort Food, which, by the way, her um, book has been pushed up uh, or moved up, I guess is the word. I don't know. It was supposed to be released in late October. It was like it wasn't really that big of a move up. It was it was supposed mm. to be released like on October 21st and now it's like October 7th or something. I was like, guys, this is not uh, yeah. whatever, but fine. Um, yeah, I think we can adjust. Yeah. yeah. And the recipe was apparently uh, in Emily Blunt's cookbook because um, Emily Blunt was a guest on the Barefoot Contessa. And I watched the episode last night with Keon in bed and it was a true joy. Um, oh. it, it was like a Mary Poppins themed episode. So Lin-Manuel and then Rob Marshall was on it because he directed it and then another producer that I can't remember the name of but Emily Blunt was so charming and so excited to be there she's like they showed her in the car on the way she's like there are three days in my life where um she said this is comparable to like the day I got married the day I had my kids and then there's meeting Ina Garden and cooking with her too and (laughs) and she's so she's everything you want her to be in that situation too and she's and Ina of course is deliciously awkward and clumsy and weird and trying to be like Mary Poppins-esque and it just doesn't fit but it's all the right reasons so uh, if you get a chance watch that but the website crashed because everyone was so excited about it Um, and Ina tweeted something like it'll be back up soon and that's the end of that story but uh that's, I mean, uh, I, I need to go watch that right now. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the deliciously awkward Ina Garten. Ugh. I can't think of a better description. I know. Yeah. It's it's so great. So that's, those are my little, that's the BSA Today little snippets and what to look out for and topics of conversation for this week. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love this new feature. Yeah. Let's, yes, yes. This is fantastic. Thank you for bringing yeah. that to the podcast. Um, so... Uh, that being said, yes. uh, all that's really left is just to cover our nominations and wins for BSA of the week. Yeah. Uh, how about you start with your any runner-ups, Colin? Well, I, I, I want to pull up something real quick, but go ahead. The only runner-up I would have to say is um, I don't know if you've been uh, watching Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Um, have you? Oh, you have not? Okay. Uh, so I... You know, it was kind of like when it came out, it was like the cool thing to do was to hate on it. I was like, oh, God, whatever. It was just, uh, it's it's so nice to not be on a Drag Race podcast right now. I love All Right, Mary. This is not mm-hmm. about All Right, Mary. It's just so nice to not be like in that sphere right now. Um, talking about non-Drag Race things because um, there's yes. just, I'm a little like, okay, I need a fucking break between like season 12, All Stars 5, Sleep, Secret Celebrity Drag Race, even We're Here. I'm like, I just don't want to talk about drag queens anymore. But I will talk about them for one second because Secret Celebrity Drag Race, in particular the third episode, oh yes, which features Ted from Schitt's Creek as one of the secret celebrities. Oh yeah, Dustin Milligan is his name, I think. Yeah, Dustin Milligan, and he's just lovely. All three of them, all because it's it's Dustin Milligan, 
spoiler of the secret celebrities, but it already came out. It's Dustin Milligan, um, this guy Matt Iceman, who I wasn't okay. familiar with, but uh, he's gorgeous, uh, and then Alex Newell. Uh, oh, fun. Who, yeah, who was great and was just like, mm-hmm. uh, all three of them were just so lovely and so much more than you expect from any from any of them. And uh, they do like a roast of RuPaul and it's so funny. It's so good. Oh, yay. Uh, it be, and especially because like Matt Iceman's a comedian and Dustin Milligan obviously is an actor. Like all three of them yeah. are actors. Like they, they get it. Yeah. They get it. Yeah. So um, that episode, I have to say, would be my nomination. I enjoyed it so much more than I thought I would. I got so much more out of it than I expected. Um, there's this beautiful moment because, you know, when they're kind of doing the judging, Matt Iceman is like, he looks like a like a football player, you know, tall, okay. you know, just broad shoulders. Um, I'm going to look him up here. It sounds oh, you'll, yummy. you'll be very happy with what you see. It's okay. I-S-E-M-A-N. Okay. So... Uh, when they're doing the critiques and like Ross, I guess Ross and this guy know each other and are friends. And he says, you know, it, it, I'm really happy to see you here. And it feels really good um, to see you be a part of this. But at the same time, you look and sound like every high school bully I ever had. Yeah. And so like that factor, like for you to be here in that image, but then like defying that or breaking that or like expanding the definition of what someone who looks like that is um, that was really powerful. It just really, I, I, you got there it. Are, it connected. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain moments on, uh, like the first epi- episode of secret celebrity drag race. One of the contestants, he gets into drag and he's like, Oh my God, I look just like my mother who had passed away. And so there's just oh. this, this powerful moment of him seeing his mother again. Yeah. And then his fiance comes to visit and she's like, Oh my God, you look just like your mom. And she starts crying. Oh, it was so good. It was oh. so powerful. Um, so, that would be my nomination. It's so much better than I thought it would be. Uh, That's good. Yeah. Um, and the second episode is all women. So that was fun to see women getting into drag. Including yeah, wasn't Vanessa Williams on it? Vanessa Williams. There's a great shot of Vanessa Williams taking all the tracks out of her hair to get into quick drag. And it's so like, <laughs> you've never seen Vanessa Williams so like <laughs> stripped Focused. down. It's yeah. great. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's it's really a lot of fun. It's it, I I really, really enjoying it. So I highly recommend Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Nice. Um, I, my runner's up, I'd say. Um, I don't know if you watched season one of this show, but it ties into my BSA of the week, my official BSA of the week, but my nomination is just the show, season two of Dead to Me. Have you watched the first season yet? I started watching the first episode, and it's one of those shows that I know I'm going to love, mm-hmm. and I just haven't, like, I've only, like, put my foot in the water to see how cold it is, but I haven't sure. dove in, you know? Yeah, I mean... Uh, to me, it's like they're both really great, and it's kind of like Breaking Bad meets like a comedy almost too. It's a very dark comedy, um, but Linda Cardellini is so great. Um, mm. There are a couple other characters, just side characters that are really lovely. Uh, but season two has was just released on uh, last Friday, I believe, or just like over the weekend, um, and Keon and I are blowing through it. Um, there are some things I could like say that like, oh, I wish they would maybe do this or whatever. Or there's some things I could talk about. But overall, it's a really easy watch. I think it's like it's not Breaking Bad in the sense of like, but like the two women are acting their asses off. They have to cry like at least six times an episode. And oh. both of them are extraordinary at it and are super funny. Christina Applegate is even more gritty and sort of like there's so many fucks that she says that Mm -hmm. are just perfectly timed and perfectly executed um 
I'd suggest watching it, but there's no rush. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm, you have a lot to watch, Colin. We all have a lot to watch these days. But um, they're tw- they're half hours. I will say so. It's okay. a really easy, like thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you in every episode ends with a cliffhanger. Every single one where so you're like, you what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's designed in a way where you have to keep watching. It's it's very hard to stop, um, which is smart, of course. Yeah. And that's kind of. I how, mean. Women crying. I I remember an interview that Julianne Moore did about the hours where she Ooh. said, "Oh, she said, and she says I love to watch women cry in movies. I'll run to the theaters to see women crying in movies." Yeah, and that was when I knew that Julianne Julianne Moore and I like we could cut hang from out. the same cloth. Yeah, yeah. cut from the same <laughs> cloth. That basically the same person. And so to know that there's that much crying per episode. yeah especially on the list in fact it's one of my it's one of my greatest joys and one of my biggest complaints i'm like there's a lot of crying but sometimes there's too much crying i'm like we need to move on from here ladies but also great i love seeing this because it's it's very they're both very good very very good um yeah uh so i know we're kind of going out of order today but how about your bsa of the week colin so my bsa of the week i mean i have to say it's it, it has already been said it really is Shelley Winters I Ooh. I think that this movie reawakened for me how much I love her as an energy and I like got into a Shelley Winters rabbit hole I watched her like A&E biography on YouTube Ooh, fun. you know I, I uh, you know putting movies of hers on my like watch list of things to watch next like I think uh there's something about what she does and I, I've always loved it, but it got really reawakened and about just like her energy and, and that she was so bawdy and like, you know, was not afraid of telling stories about having like love affairs with movie stars. And she's got some really, uh, racy autobiographies that she wrote in the eighties that I'm like, okay, Mm. well I'm going to read that next. Yes. Like I'm really, I think I'm going to just like lean into the Shelley winters of it all. Uh, Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I just I so give it to her. I granted obviously in this movie, you know, it was a, a, a smaller display of her talents, but overall I think what she does in movies is like always exciting for me to watch. Yeah. Oh, I love that a lot, especially in these times where we yeah. need a little bit of we need a little bit of Shelley. Yeah. We just do. a little bit of Shelley. Yeah. Um so who's your BSA of the week? My BS A of the week is a man, a man. Oh. Um that is in Dead to Me. And I was just really kind of thinking about his trajectory and like all of the things he's been in. And I was like, man, he is in so much and I feel does not get the recognition that he deserves as far as just like trophies and nominations and stuff, too. But James Marsden is in Dead to Me. And he I'm not going to give anything away because there's a big twist in season two with his character. But um I just like really he can do it all. I just feel like he's an actor like I think most recently he's in Dead to Me, he's in Westworld. Um but on the flip side of that, like those are kind of like uh I think Westworld is more of a uh, a drama that, rather than comedy obviously too, but like the stuff that he's been in, he's he's he can also be like a musical theater man. He was in Hairspray, he was in Enchanted with Amy mm-hmm. Adams, he was in X-Men. He is the, you know, the romantic lead in 27 Dresses with Katherine Heigl. He was in 30 Rock. He played, like, yeah. Liz Lemon's, like, final boyfriend, Crisscross. Um, I just think that there's so much to him. And I I Googled um, 
James Marsden appreciation posts or appreciation. I just like Google that. And there was this uh, really great Vulture article about James Marsden is is like one of the most talented men in Hollywood and no one has noticed or why isn't anyone noticing that? Huh. And it really kind of got me thinking because I just think he is always so solid in everything he does. And he's really easy to look at too i just think he's yeah. so handsome too those cheekbones he does um, not age it's just insane yeah, he's like yeah. our generation's rob Lowe. he just won't age <laughs> and he's yeah exactly and he's had such a he was in the notebook with rachel mm-hmm. mcadams he plays like the other guy really um and i just think he's a great actor and he's great in this in season two of dead to me so i I want to give him a little bit of a, a spotlight i i know we're we're all about the ladies here today but he has such He's a, a really great talent, and I hope that he's never been nominated for anything. Anything. Yeah. And I know yeah. maybe he's not doing the big Oscar movies and stuff like that. And maybe, th- Keon was saying too last night, it's like maybe that's enough for him because he works consistently. Like, there's, yeah. he's always sort of in stuff. Um, and maybe that's enough for him. So um, hats off to you, James Marsden. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's certainly, uh, I, I had the same limited point of view on him. So you've... Uh, open my eyes to yeah he pops up everywhere you'd be surprised yeah, i think he's, he does he's yeah. been around yeah and i never feel like he does a bad job that's true he's always like yeah. oh yeah he was great in that but uh yeah all right james james marsden yes and shelly winters i've got my work cut out for me this week <laughs> yeah exactly um what a lovely combination yeah um and with that being said with no clever transition, you're sure. suddenly being played off on this podcast. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether we're clever about it or not, we get played off. That's true. That's so true. Uh, so where could folks find more of you in this world? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov, and I am slowly but surely recording new episodes of the No Good, Very Bad Gay podcast. Mm. Um, all about Eve and a couple other things are coming your way all in due time i'm excited for it and uh yeah that's all i got how about you colin where can we find you well you can find me on in the details a celebration of nuance or uh on all right mary talking about all the drag that's out right now Uh, and of course you can find me on twitter at colin drucker and instagram at colin drucker underscore and you can find both of us on twitter at bsa pod or on gmail where can they find us at on gmail the bsa pod at gmail.com Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, what a what a week, what a year, what a life. Uh, congratulations to all our winners and nominees, to all of our ladies and their fabulous casting in the BSA Today segment. Um, yes. And, to Shelly, uh, to Juanita, and and beyond. And beyond. <laughs> and next week we'll try to find something a little bit lighter to talk yes. about. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Promise. <we will>. Yeah. <laughs> and that, as they say is that we finally got it we did it yay